This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us again. Another massive show coming your way. We're going to hear from Scott McLaughlin after his second, very impressive second, in his first IndyCar oval race. We'll also hear from Will Davison and a couple of other drivers as well. We'll hear from brand new gold star winner here in Australia. What a great effort by Joey Mawson, Richard Crowell and Mark Walker to join us as well. A big show ahead, but first the news. And as we said, what an amazing weekend it was for Australian motor racing overseas with a great win, an amazing win to Jack Miller in the MotoGP. We'll hear more from him shortly. And also a second place finish to Scott McLaughlin. We know he's a Kiwi, but we're going to count him as one of ours. He's been on Australia's shores for so, so long. Finishing second in his first ever oval race in Texas on a super speedway. And this is how ESPN's and Fox Sports' Lee Diffie called the action. For Dixon to get his fifth win here at Texas Motor Speedway, what a proud moment for him too, because he's impressed with McLaughlin, a fellow Kiwi, and to come home in a 1-2. He's got traffic, he's getting closer, but I don't think it's going to cause an issue. Connor Daly, he'll hang on there, checkered flag at the ready, Scott Dixon wins back-to-back years and wins at Texas Motor Speedway for a fifth time. Well done, Scott. Great job, great job everybody. Awesome day. You're an IndyCar oval racer now. Oh, Mum and Dad listening on the radio at home. Love you guys. Woo. I've never been this bloody happy second. I'll give you the tip, but um, I'm, I'm really stoked for everyone at PPG and Chevy and just couldn't quite get Scotty at the end there. But tell you what, it was bloody cool battling with one of my all-time favourite heroes. What is my all-time hero, Scotty Dixon. And, Two Kiwis, one and two is fantastic. My mum and dad's watching at home, I know for sure. And unfortunately, my wife Carly said, if I go good this weekend, she's going to give me a slap across the face. And I went good, I'm sorry, babe. But yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> Great work there to Scott McLaughlin. F1 was raced at Portugal over the weekend. Dale Rogers has his review of what happened, and it was a good weekend too for Formula One. Dale. G'day, Tony. Formula One returned to the Portimao circuit in Portugal on the weekend for round three of the World Championship. And Lewis Hamilton once again came out on top. Uh, an interesting battle with his teammate, pole sitter uh, Valtteri Bottas, and of course his nemesis this year, Max Verstappen. But Hamilton really dominated the race after he skived past both drivers in beautiful moves down into turn one. Uh, Max Verstappen really probably rue, will rue the, uh, the Q3 penalty he took for track limits, uh, knocking off his best time, which probably would have put him on pole position, but really put him on the back foot for the race. It looked, though, during the race that the Mercedes had the performance gain over the uh, Red Bull Honda on the long runs, and there wasn't much Verstappen was able to do about that. Um, some of the highlights of the race uh, for me, definitely um, uh, Alpine were a really, really good performance. Uh, their, their hard tyres really came alive uh, for both cars and they finished in 7th and 8th place. Uh, Lando Norris again, a, st- a really strong performance in the McLaren at P5. Um, Perez, a lonely race, but a P4 was a good result for him for Red Bull, picking up uh, two in the top four. And our own Daniel Ricciardo, uh, a really strong race uh, when you look at the results and what he had to do from his grid position to finish in ninth. And um, he rude the again his his 
uh, qualifying performance and uh, was very down on himself. But there is promise there. There's no question that he's going. The race was actually quite an entertaining race, but uh, lots happening in that midfield. Great midfield battles, and the car's incredibly sensitive to the wind on this circuit. And uh, a lot of the drivers, including George Russell, saying the car, once it got uh, some wind on the side of it, really, really was hard to race. Uh, but it, it remains that the, the two big contenders for the year are only a few points apart. Uh, as we move into uh, round uh, four of the championship in a, in a doubleheader at, in uh, Spain at Barcelona, a circuit that uh, very often does not produce great racing in Formula One. So let's hope that the quality of racing we've had so far this year continues. Uh, I'll go to the, uh, the Spain race with uh, Lewis Hamilton on top with 69 points, leading Max uh, with 61, then a big, big gap to Norris on 37, a fine third place at the moment in the championship, and Valtteri Bottas um, in fourth of 32. Um, so an interesting race, probably not one of the greatest, but certainly it, it, it is keeping uh, the championship alive and the two protagonists I hopefully will go at it again. In other news, um, Zach Brown, uh, the CEO of McLaren, has uh, sat down at his computer and punched out a 3,500 word um, manifest on what he, where he thinks Formula One is going. Uh, and it's an interesting read if you can be bothered sitting down and going through it, but I've uh, done that for you, so I've got a few points. Uh, the things that he's really pushing for in this article is more growth in the US and China, uh, continued growth in the social media space and those platforms that uh, non-traditional media outlets, which I think has been well addressed. Interestingly, he wants to limit the schedule from its current 23 races uh, to a more manageable 20 races with as many as 15 of those races fixed to the schedule annually and another 10 rotated, which is actually quite an interesting idea. Also wants to expand testing to help develop younger drives, and this is a critical thing, is that those young guys really do not get a chance other than a couple of tests in the year to drive these cars. And also to take a really hard look at these team alliances. You've really got three blocks of voting, uh, Red Bull and Alpha Tauri with always vote together as the Mercedes teams will, which uh, encompasses Mercedes and uh, Aston Martin and McLaren and Williams, and then the Ferrari uh, block, and uh, he, he's suggesting that secret balloting on all of these issues will, will help that. Uh, and he's huge on this efforts to promote sustainability and environmental issues. So an interesting read from, uh, from Zach, and clearly he's a very passionate man. He put his marketing hat on to write this one, but uh, it's, it is worth reading. There are some very, very good things in it. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's probably it for the weekend. We go now to Spain, back-to-backs, uh, -back, they're always good fun, but uh, as I said, Spain often gives us a procession. Let's just hope that Max and Lewis can take it on and we see, again, that midfield battle just uh, ripping it apart. So uh, look forward to seeing you next week, Tony. Back to you in the studio. Supercars head over to South Australia at the Bend for racing this weekend and Will Davison, of course, is racing for the Shell V-Power team. Caught up with Dorich's Tom Archuli to talk about this weekend. The 2021 Repco Supercars Championship moves Ben this weekend and a man who sits fifth in points joins me now. Will Davison, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Tom. How are you, Willie? Yeah, good, good, thank you. Uh, getting ready for a big weekend at Tail and Ben. Pretty, pretty excited to go racing again. So, uh, yeah, certainly, certainly, yeah, looking forward to continuing our our trend and trajectory of, of getting stronger every event. So uh, no, loving, loving, loving the, the challenge of being with the team and um, yeah, big opportunity this weekend. Yes. Yeah, so Simmons Plains, two podiums in three races. Um, how is the feeling amongst the team and, and where are the improvements come from? Uh, no, feeling's great in the team. Uh, obviously, yeah, I mean, their results speak for themselves. Their, their success as of late speaks for the, 
professionalism of the whole organisation and, and the culture and the quality of the, the people that we have there. So it's just been all about um, us all um, meshing and, and settling in, but it's been nothing but enjoyable process. Um, often externally, there's possibly at times unrealistic expectations and an unrealistic understanding of what's truly required to, to win at this level as they've done the last few years and, um, and what we're up against. But, you know, we've always been pretty calm with, with uh, the way we've, we've uh, begun the year and bit by bit, it's been nothing but positive. You know, we're only three events in, um, obviously, first event, uh, Bathurst, in all reality, to have a provisional pole there for Anton, a podium for myself was a, a pretty strong start. And Sandown was a bit of a mixed bag with some crazy conditions. And um, But still, you know, we, we showed good speed, qualifying third there and, um, you know, having a fifth with a, a spin on my behalf. And then really going to Tasmania with more confidence, knowing that we just got that extra time in the car over the weekend at Sandown, finally started to feel at one with it. So... With these two-day events now, uh, we, we don't have Friday to, you know, get a couple of practice sessions under our belt, sleep on it, go through the data for hours, look at the vision, work out how you can adjust your driving and the setup. We're straight into it. So we just basically were able to roll out much more competitively um, in practice one, feeling a part of the car straight away and, and um, you know, that just get yourself on the front foot and, you um, of course, we, if we could do Tasmania again, I think we'd be stronger again. So it's exciting that that's the mentality that, you know, we always feel like we're, we've got a bit more in us. Um, but, you yeah, know, we're, we're challenging right up the pointy end. Um, I can see it. I can feel it. I can touch it. And it's it's super motivating. And I'm just working on myself. But you've got you to walk before you run. You know, it's a bit of a process, but I'm happy with how it's going. So last year, unfortunately, you didn't get to race at the bend, but you were quickest in the preseason test and the before you finished second um, at the track. Um, just missing out on last year's event, is it a disadvantage for you for not racing? And also, does finishing second two years ago give you any more comfort or confidence going to the racetrack this weekend? Yeah, we can, we can certainly be confident going into the weekend, but also mindful of... Um, you know, how, how quickly things can change, uh, particularly at a circuit like the Bend. It's, uh, you know, it can be quite punishing. It's, it's a long circuit. It's a very unique um, surface and bitumen that we run on. Uh, and, you know, the weather plays a big part down there with, you know, wind is a huge thing, um, potential UV and a very, as I said, a unique surface. So it's the kind of track that, uh, if you're a little bit off, it can be magnified and it can be exaggerated and, you know, it be, can be quite punishing. But um, just as equally, if your car's balanced and well hooked up, um, it's a blast to drive. Like, I love the circuit. And, uh, you know, I've, I've generally gone well there. So, as I said, we had a, a second there in 2019 to, to Scotty McLaughlin, uh, a race that I still feel like got away from us. Um, you know, we were winning the race uh, for the first two stints and just had a, an airbox fire in the last pit stop, which definitely cost me uh, the lead for the last stint. And, you know, I think a race we could have won, but uh, that's the way it goes. Went back last year. We, we, we kicked off uh, the preseason last year in style. And, and uh, yeah, I feel like I drive the car well there, but I also had a, a very good car as well. Um, but, you know, look what I'm getting into. You know, it's uh, a circuit the last couple of years that's been very, very kind to, to DJR. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited, just excited to, to drive their Mustang 
around that circuit. I don't think it'll affect me having not been there last year at the race. Uh, you know, I, I know which way it goes and I'm confident I can sort of get up it pretty quickly with our level of preparation. So you mentioned like the unique characteristics of the bend. Can you kind of expand on that? Yeah, it's it's a surface that everyone says is looks not everyone, not a driver's point of view, but it, it can be perceived as looking slippery, but it's a, it's actually not. It's actually quite high grip. It's actually quite high load in the car mid corner, but it's very easy because it's very billiard billiard table smooth. So it's very easy to lose the rear of the car on the way into the corner. The front's generally quite strong. And once the car slides, it keeps sliding. And uh, the mid-corner speeds are generally quite high there. So once the car lets go, it lets go in quite an aggressive manner, which shows that the cars are sliding a lot, but it then overheats the surface of the tyre very easy and it can spiral. Um, once you slide once, it can take you know a couple laps for the tyre to cool down and recover if it does at all. So you've got to be very smooth there the way you have the car set up. You've got to be very methodical the way you go about it and um, you know have a particular way that you've got to attack the corners to, to utilise um, you know the strengths of the circuit and, and know how to drive it, know where to extract the, the time out of the car. And it can be quite punishing if you overdrive the car because, as I said, once it slides a little bit, it sort of gets magnified quite aggressively. So you can attack the circuit but in a really delicate, smooth way, and I, I just I generally like that challenge of the place. So... Um... Ben, previously, in lots of overtaking with the soft tyre, the degradation. Um, is that the key for this weekend, keeping tyre life going to ensure that, you know, you got the opportunity to overtake and get track position? Yeah, it was it was unique last year, being, being an expert on the couch, <laughs> watching. Um, but traditionally, a circuit that is very low degradation. The tyres don't really wear there at all, but... In 2019, we ran the, the, the harder compound tyre and last year they experimented with the softer tyre, which I did test on at the pre-season, and then they decided to race on it to try and create more tyre wear and, and spice up the racing. Um, but, yeah, what they saw last year was obviously a lot of tyres failing, which I don't think anyone really expected. So I wasn't a part of that uh, last year, but yeah, lots of cars from lots of teams were were blistering, you know, left rear tyres and uh, that was creating drama, but it was certainly creating, I think, um, you know, some excitement in the racing, but it wasn't what was expected, you know, it wasn't traditionally a high deg circuit, it, it just threw some challenges in and people were destroying tyres uh, and then that was creating um, some pretty exciting racing. So that's obviously on the forefront of, lot of the team's minds going into this weekend we're once again on the on the softer compound tire and uh obviously you want to attack the circuit you want to have a car that's aggressive and fast but obviously we want to limit damaging that tire so obviously the way we set the car up the way you drive the car you know has to be um a specific way and and you have to be very disciplined with that and and yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what's what's going to happen uh, this weekend in the in the three uh, three twenty four lap races. Awesome. Well, thanks, thanks for your time today, Willie. Wish you all the best this weekend to carry on the momentum from Simmons Plains and hopefully get some more trophies. Good luck, mate. 
Absolutely. No, we're, we're pumped for that. We're going, to, uh, we're going to get one on the board soon, so looking forward to it. Cheers. And in MotoGP, Australia's Jack Miller has stormed his first MotoGP win in five years at the Spanish Grand Prix. The Aussie finished almost two seconds clear of second place Francesco Bagnaia, who was uh, a little over half a second clear of third place Franco Morbidelli. The biggest surprise from the Grand Prix, however, was Fabio Quadrero's huge decline from first to finish 13th. Too hard to even put into words what, what I feel today. I mean, it's just been a phenomenal weekend. We've been able to get stronger and stronger each session, and I, I credit that to just putting my head down, especially FP1, FP4, when we could just go and do laps on my own. And as we've seen, uh, when, when I saw Fabio starting to drop off, I thought, all right, I'd have to go for it. And I looked and I seen how many laps were left. I thought, that's a long time out front by yourself. You sure you got this? I said, oh, well, we'll see. I was having this conversation in my helmet. Congratulations there to Jack Miller. Big show coming up. Let's get straight into it. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, joining us as always, kick off the program from the racetalk.com, Richard Crowell. Hello, Crowley. Hello, Shebexter. With my biggest and proudest open wheel racing hat on tonight because, or today, because uh, we saw some pretty incredible stuff on the weekend, Shebex. We've been talking about uh, the VHTS 5000 Australian Drivers Championship all season long. Uh, it's been a remarkable thing to follow and to be involved in and calling it for the screens of seven. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say, Shebex, it lived up to the hype. And it had plenty, yeah. but gee, it delivered. Uh, and possibly for our guest tonight, maybe over-delivered in the excitement uh, front on Sunday afternoon because despite just going into needing to finish the race, our ultimate champion, Joey Mawson, found himself off the road at 200 kilometres an hour, uh, looking at some dust and debris in the field going by right at the moment when he just wanted a straightforward race to win the championship, but he did it anyway. He joins us on the line, Joey Mawson. Mate, congratulations. You're the gold star winner for 2021. How good's that a couple of days after the fact? Absolutely no. Thank you, Crazy. Um, yeah, man, that last race was really tense, especially after the off and also the, the crash that happened in front of me. So, um, Normally it was a, a pretty straightforward race, but uh, yeah, those two heart-stopping moments kind of made the victory feel even sweeter and, and a bigger relief. Um, so yeah, really glad and, and just letting it all sink in now that uh, you know we've, we've won the gold star and um, you know etched my name in, in history, which is which is an amazing feeling. Just walk me through exactly what happened when you got down to turn one because it it looked like I know there's a bump on the apex at one there, and she's a a fast old corner, even from a standing start. So what was it? Did you get that bump? Was it just a cold tire thing that caused the car to snap and fire you off? Uh, I believe so. I haven't had the chance to look at it in the data or video yet, but um, all I remember was everything was, was all going under control. And then, uh, yeah, I, I felt I must have hit the bump awkwardly or, or something like that. And, you know, I managed to catch the car. And when I caught the car, it just, you know, did one of the F1 snaps and steered mm. to the right. Um, and my initial feeling, the angle that it was going off, you know, I, I, my initial feeling was that I might be in the wall and, and have a crash. Um, yeah, I was, I was hard on the brakes and trying to pump the brakes to, to get it to turn on the grass. Eventually, it just turned at the last moment. And, yeah, it was it was a, it was a tense moment, I've got to say. Um yeah, thankfully, thankfully we made it out, really. <laughs> is there any – when does instinct come in over training? 
at that point in time because obviously any driver would panic for a second at least to think about everything that's about to happen and everything that's happening in front of them. Does instinct take over as a driver or is it training and, and expertise of have, being in a situation like that before that comes to the fore at that point? Uh, for sure, you have a little bit of training from, you know, having experienced offs like that before, but uh, a lot of it just comes on pure instinct um, because it happens so quick that it's, you know, you've basically got to react, you know, in a split second uh, with, with what you have to do. So, um, yeah, uh, I'll be honest, it all happens so quick. It, it's kind of gone in, uh, in fast forward for me, that, that off. And then a few laps later, you're on the recovery trail and same part of the road. Uh, Ricky Capo drops a couple of wheels off on the exit of turn one, which is easy to do. And, and almost everyone in the field, I think, did that at some point in the weekend um, and has a spin, fires the thing across the road, bounces off the fence and right into your path. Like It just, you couldn't have scripted all the things that unfolded that you somehow managed to drive your way through. Clearly it was like you were meant to, finish that race and wrap up the championship wasn't it yeah absolutely i mean my my engineer was on the radio to me the whole race mm. um you know his communication all year has been fantastic uh he let me know about the crash before it happened which thankfully he did because when i went into the corner um there was a lot of grass and, and debris which i actually slid on even though i entered slower and uh managed to get still quite close to capo so that was that was the second half heartbreaking <laughs> heart-stopping moment um and then after that you know all the grass in my radiator was making the engine really hot so behind the safety car I was having to drive in a high gear uh low revs you know not even worry about warming the tires but just trying to keep the engine as cool as possible to not go into limp mode um so yeah it was well it was all happening that race <laughs> so yeah <laughs> it made for good TV, Shebex. No, it did. It made for excellent TV. And the commentary that accompanied it wasn't too bad either. It, was, uh, stop. it brought it all, all to life. Mate, it's been a, an exciting year in these S5000s. Uh, your thoughts on them? A, a fantastic car to drive? Absolutely. I'll be honest, it's the favourite category that I've ever driven. Uh, the most fun that I've ever had in a racing car. Um, you know, I really like the Formula the driving style that's required it, it brings back a lot of the the 80s style where you know you really see the cars working and hustling the car to get the lap time out um you know the horsepower it's the quickest car i've ever driven so yeah it's uh it's really exciting i, I hope to be able to enter in season two um that's plan a at the moment and uh yeah i really think the the category is just going to continue to grow and grow um you know we should have a, an 18 car field as far as i know for, for next year um, and we got some really cool circuits that are coming up. So, um, yeah, if it all goes to plan and I, I come back for season two, um, you know, I'll be really looking forward to it. I want your thoughts on bouncing one of these things over the beach chicane at the Gold Coast in a minute. But <laughs> one of the things that I loved most about the weekend, mate, was qualifying in the twilight there under lights on Friday evening. And I went down to pit exit and watched basically behind that Marshall's post at pit exit. So I had a clear run of you guys going into turn one. And the thing that got me was a, how physical they were to watch from the outside and how much the car was moving around. But the fact that it wasn't a flat corner, but it was getting every time you did a lap, you went a little bit deeper, a little bit less of a lift mid corner getting into it. So 
just, just, I'd love your thoughts on driving that corner in particular, because it's one of those great corners in the sport that it's not flat, but it's really close to being flat. So the driver has such a role. It's like all Rouge used to be for Formula One, I suppose, at, at Belgium. Absolutely. Um, I actually really enjoyed that corner. It was probably my strongest corner on the circuit, as I was always strong in, in sector one. Um, if it's flat, it's kind of boring because then everyone has the confidence to do it flat. So mm. just like you said, when, when it's a lift, the driver really has a, a big part in making the lap time there. Um, I like the car, that, the fact that the car moves around. Um, I think if the cars are, you know, go to a much softer tyre and are too hooked up, then it's just going to be like every other Formula category, which is kind of boring. So the fact that they're moving around, you know, they're squirming, they kind of stand out as a category. Like I said, it brings back the 80s style where, you know, everyone used to talk about the drivers really being heroes and hustling the cars. So I really like that fact of the of the car and, and the category. Last time we spoke, mate, was uh, in commentary at the Formula One of 2019, commentating the Porsche Carrera Cup. <laughs> after you'd had the massive crash in Adelaide just a couple of weeks <laughs> Before that, uh, most of your racing, 90%, 95% of your racing has been overseas in your career since uh, your early days of Formula 4, right through to uh, the Porsche work that you've been doing in the last few years. What does the future hold for Joey Mawson? Are you happily putting your feet down here in Australia or are you getting an itch? Um, At the moment, I'm really happy being back home, Um, particularly while COVID's going on. Um, I don't have too much interest in, in going overseas. Um, last year, I found it very difficult living-wise. I just found found it very restrictive and I felt very homesick last year. So it was, it was, it was the right time to kind of come back home, um, you know, fix myself a little bit from a mental point of view. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I'm really happy being home. You know, S5000 is the best category I've driven, you know, the most fun I'm, I've ever had in a racing car. So you know, in these next few years, for sure, I'm at least, um, you know, very content with staying back home and enjoying the lifestyle we have here in Australia. And, and mate, it feels like there's a potential, for, and I'm, in, I'm involved in commentary point of view and some media stuff, but, so obviously I've got a rose-tinted glasses for the category as well, but it, it feels really like there's a potential that this thing could grow significantly for season two, like you mentioned, and even in the future. So, you know, there could be a means for you to be a professional racing driver, racing S5000 and perhaps some other stuff in this country. So that that must be a, a cool thing to be part of in the growth early days. But you, you touched on the cool aspects of season two and some of the dates that have been announced. Back to back to back events, right, rounds two, three and four will be the Grand Prix, which is going to be fantastic on that new Albert Park layout. Bathurst, which will be completely insane. And the Gold Coast, which has got a phenomenal open wheel history back to the IndyCar days. What's your take on running on those three places? Oh, mate, it's, it's going to be amazing. It, for me, it's, it'll probably bring the same excitement of, and feeling as having driven Monaco, for example, in the Porsche mm. or, um, you know, Spa in GB3 and F3, you know, driving on monumental tracks, particularly with the S5000. It's going to be absolutely monstrous around, you know, those three circuits. So, yeah, I'm really, really excited. I, I really hope I'm back for season two. Uh, and you've got some great support. Sorry, Shebex in no, the team as well. Alabar Form 700 came on board this year. Alan Galloway was with you when you were presented the Gold Star Trophy, and he 
accepted the patrons cup. So those sponsors coming on board were a big asset for you this year as well, weren't they? Absolutely. Um, I was really lucky that uh, Chris Lambert helped put me in touch with those guys and, and establish the connection. Um, you know, particularly without them two supporters, I wouldn't have had this wonderful opportunity, um, you know, which turned out to be successful for me and, and really revived my career. So I have to say a massive thank you to, to Wazil Rezadi uh, from Form 700 and, um, and Alaba um, for, 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 yeah, for, for giving me this opportunity. Mate, I've got to ask you, Albert Park, Bathurst, Gold Coast, honestly, which one are you looking forward to the most? Oh, you can't pick one. Yeah, you? I can. You've got, to, you've got to pick one. <laughs> wow. That's that's a hard one. Is <laughs> oh, I, I, You're probably going to say Bathurst because Bathurst is such a unique circuit. Mm. Um, yeah, it's probably going to be Bathurst. And, yeah, yeah, Bathurst, I would say. And that's Bathurst not taking anything away from the other two. Uh, no, no, no. No, no. It's just Bathurst is a unique track like uh, the Nürburgring, the Nordschleife. So I, I guess you've got to say Bathurst. Yeah, I get that. But I've stood on the inside of the beach chicane at the Gold Coast and watched champ cars, Indy cars bounce through there. And it's one of life's great yeah. moments. Big open wheelers on that street circuit in particular. Uh, S5000 through there. About with the noise bouncing off those oh, skyscrapers. Yeah. Oh, could... <laughs> Take the mufflers off. Yeah, Take I'll the be... mufflers off. They will. They will. Um, mate, uh, congratulations. It's been awesome to follow your journey. And, and it, it seems like quite a long time ago that we were talking at Simmons Plains where you'd, you'd come out of two weeks of quarantine. Um, so much has happened since then in this little four round journey. And it really is quite a short championship, but mate, you've been a great ambassador for the category, uh, for BRM. I know those boys love having you a part of it. So well done. You've added your name to a pretty elite list too, my friend with 59 times the gold stars been awarded. Um, and some of the most illustrious names in the sport, um, your name is now on that trophy with you. So that's a, a pretty cool thing for your career. Absolutely. It's um, it's an amazing feeling to be part of history, which is probably why this championship has, has meant more to me than uh, than even the German F4 title um, you know, that I won in 2016. So, um, yeah, couldn't, couldn't be happier at the moment. <laughs> Good on you, Joey. Well done, mate. Thanks for joining us today. We really do appreciate it. And uh, look forward to seeing you jump back in uh, an S5000, hopefully in a few months' time. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time today, guys. Appreciate it. Gold star winner, Joey Mawson, joining us here on The Grid. Joining us for a chat, as he does uh, to wrap up the program, Mark Walker. Hello, Mark. Shebexter, Kralsey. A lot of car racing going on. It's good. It, it saves me money on the weekend because I don't have to go and do things. <laughs> and it saves me from needing a social life. So um, all the more power to motorsport. Thank you. Did you enjoy the uh, weekend of Sydney Motorsport Park? It was good, wasn't it? Um, the TV product, I've got to say, for the... Uh, for the Shannon's events, it just keeps getting better. They're just a bit more polish every single time, and it's noticeable. A lot of the little bugs that were there at the start of the year aren't there anymore, and it's uh, good afternoon's entertainment. It's, uh, it just keeps going. And, and then on plus, you know, outside of it, I'm sure if you're there trackside, there are a lot more that of 
lot more categories and things that uh, weren't telecast, which is something that we wrote about ad nauseum in our power rankings this week. That the knots really, there was a lot of knots there, Richard. They were fairly severe knots. Yeah, but and do you know what though? I think it's a sign of maturity from that platform that there's enough tangible good and bad that yeah. you know, when you start getting some serious knots, it actually makes the whole thing a bit more mm. serious. I think when there's actually stuff to criticize, I don't think it's a bad thing. And and with the power rankings on the racetalk.com, we're not trying to be critical. We're being, well, we're critical, but we are trying to do it to expose things that can be improved on. Yeah. So, and, and I think. Constructive criticism. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I think that's all legitimate, but that's a good thing. You, if it's perfect, it's either not at a high level, that no one really cares if something goes wrong or, but I mean, perfection doesn't exist. So I, I think it's a good thing that there's always stuff to improve on and, and get better. Yeah, and the thing is we do rely on a lot of input from people who see and hear and mm. feel things that we don't necessarily, I mean, you're running around doing your commentary thing. I'm sitting at home on the couch and we've got uh, an army of people out there on the ground picking up things like the PA doesn't work, picking mm. up the organizational dramas that they've got there. That does not shock me in the slightest, the Sydney Motorsport Park coming in at number one knot. If this power rankings was posted 10 years ago and it was yes, the organisation, but it's the same deal everywhere we go around the country. Mm. Security staff at Sandown are, are horrendous. They continue to be horrendous. They were horrendous 10 years ago. The security staff in Darwin are incredible. They mm. will let you take your beer wherever you want to take it, which is probably a bit bit too much the other way really when you think about it yeah. but it, it's amazing when you go around the circuits on the tour it's the same show every single time you turn up to these facilities it's incredible it was a good weekend though i, I appreciate you saying that about the the telly because i and i i'll speak with my uh channel 7 team hat on for a short time because i i'd like to cover it off because the the amount of energy and effort put into it is enormous and, and it's very, very easy to criticize motorsport TV in particular. And we get it uh, and not immune to it. And every little bit of criticism is read, believe me, by everybody on the team. Um, the group chat is testament to that. But um, but the, the amount of effort that goes into it is enormous. Genuinely trying to make good content. And Seven are so on board with this as well. That's the the thing I've got in that they're just so keen to make this as good as it can be from their their perspective too. Makes a so difference. It does. It's it's they're hundred percent engaged. So I'm I'm really proud to be part of that group of people. And there's amazing stuff. You know, we lose we lose Molly unfortunately from a broadcast point of view, and I think she's come on leaps and bounds mm. since round one. No TV experience aside from being on the other side of the camera, and it's completely different. Marcus Ambrose can step in. Well, p- perhaps. Um, but oh, he's too busy running Owen Kelly and Trans Amps to do that. Um, but you know, Molly's going to go off and win the world championship ex- extreme E, so all the power to her. But I, I just, um, yeah, it's been so cool to be part of and to to be. You got to remember that this started with a clean sheet of paper at the start of the year. Everyone goes, oh, it's, it's a pickup of where we left off, but it's not. It's all new people in front of the camera, behind it, all the way through. Then, and, and like a race team, it takes time for all that to gel. But I, four rounds in. Um, I reckon the product's pretty good. I'm massively biased, obviously, but I reckon it's pretty good. Can I just say the only issue I have with the content on 7 Plus is that you get to hear my voice too often. <laughs> yes. Well, you'll go and do deals for our bloody rivals, Shebex, on Speed Cafe. Hello to Crusher and the boys. Yeah. You could probably just pull me back just a fraction, guys. <laughs>
Not so many freebies. Yeah, right. Okay. Are you are you paid per showing of that ad? Is that how your contract works? I wish See, that's Mark. a good deal. <laughs> I that's wish. a good deal. That's no 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 wonder he's got the biggest house on his street down there in Altona, Mark. If Seriously. that was if that was the case, believe me, I wouldn't have been complaining. Uh, we like uh, it. No, a great weekend uh, had by all, and that series now moves to Morgan Park. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, which is it's going to be the biggest thing to hit Morgan Park since the Shannon's Nationals last lived up to the hype at that oh, venue Lord. way back when. Um, it's going to be huge. Just one more thing I want to talk about. Um, yeah. the variety of categories is tremendous for starters, the ARG ones, especially really cool mix. Trans Am is continuing to go to another level, and we won't say who the driver is yet, but there'll be another name in that mix at the front at Morgan Park and probably for the rest of the year. Um, so the depth continues to get better and better. Um, what a really cool product, but 5,000 mate, I, we, we just had Joey Mawson on, we talked about it there, but it was one of the best spectating experiences of my year was standing on the inside of turn one and watching those cars hammer down there. And it's an almost flat corner and every lap, they get a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, no break, just a lift, but it's 270 K at the point where they turned in. And it was ultimately 235 at the apex. And right at the apex, there's a massive bump. Doesn't show up in a touring car, but in one of those things, they had massive fistfuls of opposite lock. Just utterly spectacular. Um, And I've just, yeah, I'm a fanboy, as we know, of those cars. But, man, it was just such a cool spectating experience. I remember that the first time I saw them in the flesh at Phillip Island earlier in the year, it was I was in the behind the pit building watching Mm. them come up onto the straight. Yeah probably from 500 meters away but i was like wow these are proper big boy race cars i think now, aren't your, they? your comment was and i loved it was that was a little bit scary yeah oh, and, and, and they absolutely should be because do you remember watching indie cars on the gold coast yeah utterly terrifying yep like the way they hustles those things and watching a formula one car at turn 13 at albert park that fast left-hander yep extraordinary yep. like and you want these cars to be like that and they bloody well are yeah well uh, my viewing of that uh, event at Phillip Island was as they came into Siberia heading up towards the hay shed mm. and putting the power on coming out of that out of that turn five mm. and getting the straight the back end of the car just sliding out and then all of a sudden off they beautiful stuff to watch yeah, it was cool. Really uh, what, do nice. think of, what do we think of TCR? It, she's um, the race three was a bit of a debacle, um, but drivers bring that on themselves. But she's pretty competitive. Um, lots of different results. Uh, do, do we think Michael Caruso hasn't won a car race in a while though? <laughs> <laughs> a bit excited, didn't he? <laughs> oh, does does he regret that now? Because how <laughs> much grief so. is he going to cop from anyone who's his mate? That mm. is, uh, he hammed that up and look. He beat Josh Buck, Josh Bucken fair and square in a three lap race, so he yes. should be very very <laughs> proud of himself. Josh Bucken though, there's yeah. a, another name. It's like Luke King. You know, mm. Where has he come from? You've got a, a a race that's stacked with superstars, and these names from left field are coming out there and getting the job done. So, you know, the balanced performance thing. It's it's funny, isn't? It? On any given weekend, you may or may not be in the fight. It's mm. a, a bizarre sort of feeling there where you're Chas Mostert, you've cleaned up the last few rounds and then you turn up to Sydney Motorsport Park and you're pee nowhere. He wasn't. He was towards the front of the field, but he really wasn't in the conversation with uh, with Josh especially. So 
it's funny. I, d- I don't know how the competitors feel about that. I don't know how fans really feel about it, but it's a, it's a bit of a crapshoot, isn't it, really? You don't know what you're going to get. All right, boys, moving on from uh, Sydney Motorsport Park, let's make our way to the bend this weekend. Supercars hit the track at the bend after uh, having two races there last year on the shorter track and the international track, and uh, the boys go back on the big track for 2021. Really looking forward to this, guys. Yeah, should be interesting. It The bend throws up some, a bit of a mixed bag of lollies, doesn't it? Because in the early days, it was sort of split between Triple Eight uh, and DJR Team Penske. Last year, it was a bit of the Scotty show and Cam Waters came through. So it was, you know, pretty, uh, pretty good hunting ground for the Fords who haven't won since this track last year. And you look at Simmons Plains and... DGR were on the up and up. They had four podiums down there split between their two drivers and their two drivers who have done well at the bend in the past. You know, Anton's been in the podium there. Uh, Willie was fastest in the, uh, in the test at the start of last year before he season fell apart. So he knows how to get around that track and that's a team who can get the job done there. And you get the feeling that there was a really good confidence boost for them at Simmons Plains. Triple Eight, though, they're still on top of the pops, aren't they? They're one turn the championship, top of the team's championship. They've got a lot of momentum behind them. So that'll be interesting. What can Tickford do? What can Cam Waters do? Do they put all the eggs in the basket and go out there and try and win that one race? You know, Mm. don't don't hold anything back. Let's just go out there and get that one win uh, in the bank and, and see where that takes us in the season. So... It'll be interesting. You know, Jack LeBrock was good there last year. Yeah. And and Tickford need to have more than one uh, one bullet in their gun this weekend, I reckon. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Rick Kelly had strong runs there. Uh, he was in the top 10 in every race on the long track there last year. Andre Heimgartner was fast and grabbed a podium. So, yeah, it was really interesting. What got me was that last year, it was a strange year for the bend because the year started with them being dropped from the calendar and, and there was a blow up about that justifiably. Yeah. So um, in the, in the way that that was managed, not necessarily them being on or off it, but the way that perhaps it was run. Um, and we ended up with two rounds there and they were absolutely cracking racing mm. um, because of the format and because of the tire and, and supercars had always been a bit conservative in their tire choice there, but they whacked them on the soft and all of a sudden it came alive because A, the cars had grip through those long loaded corners and there was heaps of deg. So you got cars falling off the cliff from a grip point of view. So you had really varied results. And if you go back and look at it, Shane Van Gisbergen last year in the first round, uh, which was on the long track, ninth, first and 14th in the three races. Um, Jamie Winkup, 18, 17, three. So that's just the Red Bull cars. So even Scotty went 14, three and one after that coming together with SVG. Mm. So, um, so there's lots, lots of variables in this. And this I think will be a better round than Simmons planes because Simmons was very low on tire deck. This will be much, much higher. So you'll get more of the strategy stuff unfolding with pit stops over the course of the weekend. And by race three, there are going to be people out on their feet on tires as well, which is going to be cool. So I, I think it should be really good racing and yeah, it, it feels quite broadly open for uh, for perhaps a surprise result or two. I remember last year, it was all the winch. Oh, these guys can't race because of the aero. Then they get to this aero track and they throw some soft tyres <laughs> yeah. on it yeah. and have the race of the year. So, yeah. yeah. One of the uh, categories to return for the OTR Super Sprint there in uh, 
Talon Bend is the Super Utes back in a V8 configuration, of course, of which they were a few years ago before they went to the two-litre turbo mm. diesel configuration of Utes, which uh, was Big a bit work. of a failure, I think. There's no doubt <laughs> bit, about that. A bit. That's underselling it. Yeah, probably. Uh, they go back to the V8 formula, though. Uh, a lot of different manufacturers involved as well, which is fantastic to have uh, Toyota and Mazda and all those companies come back into it. It's going to be exciting stuff, I would well, think. Shebeki, it, it, this is interesting for mine because the whole debate in motorsport has been relevancy. I hate the word, but it's, oh, we've got to have a category that's relevant to what's sold on the road. Well, we tried that version one of super eats we had diesel Utes, so they're the number one selling vehicle in australia uh commercial utes petrol powered or diesel doesn't matter um and well oh, well clearly that's going to make a, a great race category because it's relevant to what's sold on the road well it was rubbish yeah. so they were too expensive they were slow they sounded awful they rolled over a lot um and no one they got panned on social media. And even though the racing was actually quite good, if you could watch a race, it wasn't oh, terrible it, racing. If it got past the first quarter. Correct. Without rolling someone. Yeah. It wasn't actually that bad, but they, they were shot from the moment the first car rolled out of pit lane because they had no visual appeal whatsoever. So th this is a test for our sport to go, well, how, how important is road relevance? So now we're going to have, the highest selling demographic of cars on sale in Australia today that have an enormous part of the new car market, but not powered by their road going engines. So they're not that relevant, really. They're sports sedans because they've got a six litre Chevrolet V8. But you but know what? They're relevant to motor racing. They're going to be properly fast because yes. they're quicker than the old V8 Utes. They're going to be quite, quite affordable. Um, they're going to be good fun to watch. Uh, they've got a new wheel and tire package. They're going to sound good. Um, and I think the proof that this is the right way is that they've got more cars entered for this round for their first ever than they ever had as a diesel category. So, yeah, really interesting little scenario unfolding. It'd be good to see how they race. You know, the thing that made the V8 Utes back in the day work was the fact that they took the mickey out of themselves. You had Wado and Bordeaux commentating it, and it was just a great big giggle, you know, that be hit and giggle motorsport and it wasn't taken seriously i think the, the first at attempt at super utes it was well oh, this is serious motorsport here it wasn't yeah. it? a big stupid looking ute trying to be a race car it wasn't it wasn't proper motorsport at all so yeah i, I hope they don't make it too serious that this is a proper racing category it's a bit of fun and and play it for what it's worth i'm well, more than I, happy to i'm more than happy to impart my uh ute story with you from the two-litre diesel version in Adelaide, uh, the the toilets for the situated next to the Porsche Carrera Cup tent, careful, careful, are on the road where the cars take off before they go onto the track. Yes, so, Mayfield Street. Yeah, exactly. So I'd gone to the toilet at one point when the Utes were just about ready to go out. I came out of the toilet, not hearing the Utes had gone. Looked around, they weren't there, and I thought, "What the hell happened to them?" And literally, yeah. I, I mean, I, not that I was that noisy in the toilet. I did not hear them. <laughs> yeah, you want you when you're on the throne, you want a racing car to move you. Um, if you cannot move yourself, so absolutely, <laughs> I agree with you. Uh, Shebeki's toilet stories is a podcast unto its own. 
Uh, it could be coming to a podcast network near you soon. A different yeah, no. classification though to this. Yeah, one. that's that's R rated. Um, but no, no, you look, you're right. I, I, I'm not sure how serious a Mitsubishi Triton with a 450 horsepower Chevy V8 can be. So I'm pretty pretty content that it's actually going to be quite entertaining. I, I'm happy to put one in my Mitsubishi Triton and try well, it. Well, there you go. But the other thing, boys, is that supercars need this category to be successful yeah, from do. a support undercard point of view because they've lost TCM for the most part to the ARG event. Um, they've got S5000 popping up at one or two rounds here or there, but they need a really strong undercard program. Um, Carrera Cup is outstanding, as we know, having its best season ever. But outside of that, the pickings are a bit slim. So they need another strong core support category that they can roll out at a Townsville, at a Bathurst, whatever it might be. And, and I, hope, I hope this works for them. But you look at Aussie racing cars, Simmons Plains, they were the number one support. They were the preview to mm. the supercars each time they went out on track. And then last weekend at the Bend, they were stuffed somewhere down the back off the schedule sort of uh, thing. In Sydney, so, yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, guys, before we leave, we must mention earlier on in our news segment, of course, we spoke about Scotty McLaughlin, his fantastic <laughs> second yeah. in Texas. We we can't leave without talking about that. What a great effort. Second and eighth on a weekend. Just great driving. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and that's, so say we all. The, the is this the proudest we've been of an Aussie for a while and overseas? And he's not he's even Aussie. Kiwi. <laughs> he's a Kiwi. I know. That's, yeah. it, it even makes it worse. Yeah. But he was so close. Like, he was gaining. Mm. If there was another 10, 15, 20 laps, he was on for the win there in his first ever oval race. Oh, it's just yeah. incredible. You know, I think we found out his weakness is turning right. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously <laughs> been holding him back all this time. Bodes well for the next month, doesn't it? Yeah. And... It's the fact that he's homegrown talent. We've, you know, Scott Dixon obviously did Formula Holden and then he buggered off over there and has won everything every year since. And he's an absolute motorsport god. And, you know, we like to see Scott Dixon do well, but Scotty's our own, you know, Scott McLaughlin's our own product. He's yep. only ever done supercars and then he's gone over there and done this to them, which is incredible. Yeah. And I think there's probably an element of this Shebex that we all know him. Like we've worked yep. with him. Yeah. We've, we've had him on the podcast. Um, this 12 months ago from now. And, you know, we, we've followed his journey from a kid, unknown kid coming over and jumping straight into a supercar to where I think we're all at, Homebush when he got roped in to drive the GRM car when Alex Prema had the the overheating issue. Um, I think we, um, you know, we we rode the journey of the Volvo and those incredible yeah. qualifying laps, the Adelaide 500, the Jandal. So I, I think most of us in the sport here are so connected to what he's done. There's probably an element of pride in our own sport here in Australia because, like, look what we've produced, you know, in in the most competitive IndyCar field in a decade, if not longer, um, he's jumped in. Yes, he's got the best car. Yes, he's with the best team, but you've still got to do the job behind the wheel um, and he's doing it. It's so cool. And, and the thing was, he remained grounded throughout. He mm. was always a good dude, a good courteous person. He always mm. would say hello and give you a wave and a nod and whatnot. Like some people, success goes to the head and they just become wankers. Yep. Like, you know, success never changed Scotty. He was the same Scotty from the Volvo, yeah. from the Gary Rogers days when he well, left here. 
Well, Shebex, you and I will remember the 2016 Indianapolis 500 and we were ambling through the gasoline alley on yeah. the Thursday before the event. And sorry, folks, for name dropping, but it was freaking cool. Um, and the fir- literally the first people we bumped into were a bunch of supercar drivers in Lee Holdsworth and Scott McLaughlin. And I think Fabs was there too, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and this was before the Penske thing. So, and and Scotty was there going, how freaking cool is this? This place then, is unbelievable. I think we even jumped into their conversation with Ryan Hinchcliffe, didn't we? Uh, James Hinchcliffe, yeah, yeah. No, James yeah, Hinchcliffe, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. so. Amazing. It, it, oh, the, just, one, the one thing, though, that I will say is that mm. other great drivers before him who have been from our part of the world have gone over there and haven't been instantly successful as he has been, obviously, on an oval. It's taken them a while, Will Power, Marcus Ambrose, to get used to the oval configuration and what they need to do. In his first race, he's hit second. That's mm. that's amazing. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, he's in the right environment for sure. So, you know, I, I, I recommend you go and listen to Greg Rust's Rusty's Garage podcast with uh, Will Power because yep. he talks about the early days of him racing on ovals and how he hated it. Um, but he also didn't debut on an oval with Team Penske. Yeah. So from from day one, Scott's had Rick Mears for starters, um, but he's also had Will um, Joseph Newgarden, who's one of the best. Um, Pagano, you know Tim Sindrick in his ear. So look, I mean he's been in the best environment, a hundred percent. But at the same time, you've got to do the job behind the wheel, and and you know it turns out that as a touring car driver, he makes a pretty good IndyCar star. But it was at Texas though. It yeah. was a proper big boy oval it wasn't yeah, some super small, fancy yeah. little yeah like the have you read the piece by marshall Pruitt on racer.com about the cart yes. attempt to race there yeah. it's a three-part special it's incredible yeah, it's, like the, yeah. the story there where they're getting g-lock and yeah. they had to call the race off it is a properly fast big boy oval and mm. yeah it was a balancing act the whole way you had that pj1 uh that they put down to make the track grippier for the NASCARs and mm. it just didn't work for the Indy cars until late on that second race, uh, which, which coincidentally came home in the top 10. So he backed it up. It wasn't a one hit wonder. So it, it was a tough weekend, but he, he got it done. Yeah, and and what eight... even makes it more special is Lee Diffie being part of the commentary. I think it's, it's nice to have yeah. an Aussie voice commentating. I, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of school and, and apologies if I am, but uh, <laughs> about two hours after the race, uh, we were sitting in the Channel 7 com box at Sydney Motorsport Park and Rusty was on the phone to Diff, who was just leaving yeah. Texas at the time. Um, and that was really cool. Uh, just, just to see those. And they're old mates. They've been friends for years and years and years. And um, and Rusty relayed what Lee was talking about, um, having called that. And a really special moment. So it was great. He's eighth in the championship, boys, going into the Indianapolis 500 in the month Get of May. Get out of here. Uh, and the Indy GP first. So that's, that's going to be great. One more thing I just want to talk about at the end. Um, Zach Brown, I think, is bribing all of his drivers with his own personal fleet of race cars. Because earlier this year, he's bribed Daniel Ricciardo. If, if Dan gets a podium for McLaren in Formula One this year, uh, Zach Brown's going to give him a drive of a Dale Earnhardt Wrangler Chevy Monte Carlo NASCAR that's part of Zach's classic car collection, which is extraordinary. Um, and then it turned out, and, and this was a lead iffy thing in the broadcast, that um, Zach's promised Pato Award, if he'd win an IndyCar race this year, he promised him a McLaren Formula One test. There it just goes. so happens that Zach's the, the boss of McLaren. And he goes and wins the race. So one of the F1 journos popped up and goes, well, that's the earliest a Formula One winter <laughs> testing driver's ever been announced. But there we go. So 
Good, good person to drive for. So just get bribed to uh, to go and win races. So well, good performance induced. I wonder, I wonder if Chas Mostert's on a promise. Well, yes. What's Bryce getting? Well, yeah, exactly right. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Oh, who knows? It's cool. I love it. Really good stuff. Yeah, it is. Hey, boys, always good to catch up. We'll do it again next week. We shall. Thanks, everybody, for their feedback uh, on the grid and uh, on the racetalk.com as well. We really appreciate it. Stay involved at the race talk. Tell us what we you think. Do. Catch you later, Mark. Good chat. And see you folks later right here on mypodcasthouse.com or the Radio Show Limited's RS1. This is On the Grid.